welcome to the 11 Personnel Podcast, your favorite Rams podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Rodriguez, and with me is my fabulous co-host, Rich Hammond. Rich, how we doing? Doing well, Jordan. Um, you know, it's it's nice and sunny out here in Southern California. I, I know it's the same there, right? <laughs> it's been raining three days straight. Every day Ooh. has been Monday and darkness. And so, um, yeah, I'm feeling very chipper, as you might... <laughs> That you might be able to hear. I, yeah. can't, I can't wait to get out to California. Yeah. What's this rain that you speak of? Does that is that the stuff that comes <laughs> from the sky or is you, that? You um, know, the thing that makes people go crazy on the highway when yes. it does happen. Yeah, I did tell Jordan this. The thing that she has to uh, prepare herself for is that we don't really care about rain unless we're driving, at which point whenever it hits our windshield, we have to slam on our brakes and uh, eventually uh, completely change the way that we drive. So look look forward to that, uh, Jordan. Well, it's but, attacking you from the sky, Rich. You have is. to slam on your brakes. Yes, it is. <laughs> but I, I'll tell you what, Jordan, before we get into what we want to talk about, you know, it's uh, are we starting to see some some cracks of, of hope, some some light uh, shining in? Uh, you know, I, I know you've been following it from, from afar, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, out here in California, we're, we're talking about uh, potential of, of sports returning governor just just this week uh, talking about kind of a path to, to to get teams back on their their fields in June uh, obviously that wouldn't apply to the Rams until July mm-hmm. when they need to go to training camp but uh, at this point I think we're clinging to, to any to any good news and and I you know I want to frame it in this way Jordan because you know I've said for the last couple months here I, I will celebrate that not because I think football is so important because it's clearly not in the grand scheme of things. But to me, it's, it's an indicator that we are all doing better um, and that the situation is getting better. And, and if football or sports in general coming back is, is a byproduct of that, then I absolutely think it's, it's something to celebrate. And, and I just cross my fingers and, and hope every single day that, uh, we continue to make progress and that people continue to be smart and and that uh, we, we can kind of stay on this path uh, to, to where we, we can actually see, you know, some football, whether it's in July at training camp or, or whatever. So had some had some optimism this week, Jordan. I, I feel I feel pretty good about that. Yeah, you know. I do think that it would be great if football came back. Obviously, I believe it should come back in a safe capacity. You know, coming from my perspective, I'm I'm also waiting to move across the country until it's safe, not just for me, but I'm minimizing my risk of accidentally hurting someone else by doing so, by moving and, and being around other people. And so I think it's something like day 70 for me, sheltering in place. And yeah. and so that's, you know, that's been, it's been eye-opening. And, and I think I do get some hope from seeing some of these measures that teams are taking now, a couple of updates here. The Rams were not one of the teams that reopened in a very limited capacity their facilities this past week. The NFL gave them permission to do so, but it had to be on a state-by-state governance basis. Now, Ventura County, where the facilities are up in Thousand Oaks, you know, that they were allowed to do so, but they did not because they wanted to take extra precaution. And so... We did see elsewhere, kind of around the country, and I want to bring up specifically the example of the Atlanta Falcons. We saw a video that was really helpful in sort of showing 
what kind of precautions won't be needed once players and coaches and even limited staff is able to return to buildings right now under 75 people are allowed to be in the entire facilities and so there's really no point in coming back if your team employees are successfully working from home which the rams are i think that you can just wait until you have a little bit better clearance and better guidance from the league and from the state so we did see some really helpful things one of them was we saw that they're going to, there's going to only be a single entrance to the facility. At the entrance, you're going to be asked a series of questions by whatever the staff-mandated medical professional in charge of sort of the coronavirus response within on a team-by-team basis, the health czar, so to speak. You'll be asked a series of questions by them about your health, where you, you know, kind of where you were, where you've been, who you've come into contact with. Your temperature will be taken. You will be given masks and gloves. Uh, You will be required, it it appears, you'll be required to wear a mask within the building, especially with around other people. Meeting rooms will be changed. So it's no longer, uh, you know, a full 90 or a full, even a full 55 in the meeting room. Um, It'll be spaced out. So you're at an adequate social distance from each other. You know, the offices will probably be changed around. Just lots of lots of things that will be changing that I think is interesting, especially in the short term. If they want football to come back, whether it's with fans or without fans, there's just going to be a lot of procedural changes, I think, that we're going to start seeing roll out over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I really liked that glimpse from from the Falcons. And I think it was the, the Baltimore Ravens also put out a story um, on their website, maybe not into that great detail, but clearly teams are, are already starting to think you have to uh, start to think about how that's going to look when when more people come back in. Uh, you know, I think a lot of Rams fans were interested in this last week just because, you know, teams were starting to come back in. But Jordan, like you said, it's not, you know, I'm not saying there's no benefit to it because, you know, clearly there's there's some benefit, but players not allowed back in right now in any circumstance unless you're rehabbing, which some of the Rams have been over the last couple of months, so that they can continue to do that. No coaches in the building. So it's not as though, it, you know, if the Rams had returned on, on Tuesday that they would even be able to, to meet or be able to get on the field or anything like that. What this really is is you, you can bring in some other Folks, you know, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of parts to a football team that, that we don't see uh, that, that fans don't see, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, on a, on a marketing side or on a ticket sales side or, you know, human human resources or, uh, you know, HR or uh, IT, things like that, where people would normally be working in an office. Uh, and so those people theoretically could could come back in and be at their be at their desks and be in the office. So there's some value to that. But but like you said, the Rams really have kind of figured this out. And and really right. one thing that uh, went back to it's it's kind of you know weird how things circle back. But uh, the Rams a couple of years ago now or a year and a half ago had to deal with those fires where where basically they got forced mm-hmm. out of their complexes. Uh, both of them, the the, the football operations in, in Thousand Oaks and, and the business operations in Agoura Hills. Uh, both basically got shut down. So so they had to adapt very quickly to how do you work from home? How do you do things remotely? So I'm not saying it's comfortable for them or I'm not saying that it's exactly the same, uh, but but they're pretty well practiced in this stuff. And, and I think their, their feeling on it is kind of like, well, you know, we, we could come back. We could bring some people back in, mm-hmm. into the office, but is it is it really worth it or are we really going to get a ton out of it? 
Probably not at this point. So, so I think the next step will be, you know, w- when the league determines that maybe coaches can come back in, maybe players can come back in, and then is everybody going to be allowed to do it? Are all 32 teams going to be allowed to do it? So there, there, it's going to be a stepladder, I think, you know, to, to get to where, uh, where they need to be. But uh, you're starting to at least see those first little steps. So, so again, I, I take that as a real positive. Yeah, and meanwhile, um, you know, my big fun story this week that I I really enjoyed working on over the last couple of weeks is all about how the Rams have had to adjust their spring workouts. And these are so crucial every year. And whether it's rookie onboarding or players coming back and getting into physical shape after a little bit of a break or free agents coming in and assimilating with their new teammates, definitely huge in the rookie process as well. It's it's such a journey. The springtime is such a crucial period. And so this massive um, chunk of, of, I guess, for lack of a better word, adversity of de- working within these these sort of restrictions from the coronavirus pandemic, all virtual all the time. And there were some really really fun tidbits that were to be taken from this. But first and foremost, they these guys had to get really, really creative. And so I wrote a little bit about, you know, the fun things. Uh, we'll talk about Greg Gaines squatting logs um, <laughs> in, in a few minutes, cutting down trees in his backyard and using them as a squat rack, which is just wild to me. But um, we will get to that in a minute. But there are some really fascinating things that they have been doing as a, as a staff. And one of them that I really want to talk about is the how important this rookie onboarding process is, first and foremost, because the Rams have several rookies at key positions. Running back comes to mind after our, our um, dissection of the position this, this past week. And these guys have to learn how to be a pro, but there is nobody sitting next to them in meetings showing them how to do it. They have to outsource their own instruction and they're getting, you know, extra, extra training this time of year. Um, and before I get ahead of myself, I just want to structure this out for everybody who's listening. Cause, cause for us, it feels like natural for our, our daily lives, but people who are sort of outside a team facility and outside of a, a beat may not know what the what the structure is rich so the you the the rams are allowed to conduct 4 days per week of in, sort of instructional videos whether it's team meetings playbook dissection etc and those meetings are allowed to be a total of 90 minutes and that's those those are the, the sort of the spring workout rules before they break for the summer and so whether it's Sean McVay getting up and addressing the team in in parts, whether it's guest speakers coming in in parts, and we'll get to that in a minute as well, whether it is uh, playbook time, position group meetings, everything has to be broken up as such. And so that, to me, players players have received all of the, all of this technology, whether it's their playbook has been sort of uh, uploaded to their Microsoft Surfaces or whatever tablet they prefer using instead of a Surface. <laughs> Um, and whether, you know, everything is, is all virtual. And normally you come into the facility in the morning, this time of year, you come into the facility in the morning, you work out, you have breakfast in the cafeteria, you have meetings, you take a break. A lot of guys nap. Uh, some guys play video games or 
uh, sit around and talk to each other. It's a bonding, sort of a natural, naturally phased in bonding period. You have more meetings, you have lunch, you have more meetings, <laughs> and then you and you have some sort of of workout or cool down, um, sort of a debrief with the strength team, right? Well, now you can't do any of those things. You're you're sitting much like I have been for the last 70 days, you're sitting at home uh, or, you know, on a patio or in your home office, your dining room, your living room. Maybe you've gotten creative. Maybe you just haven't gotten out of bed and you're sitting here and you're, you're absorbing and dissecting all of this information. And so the process of this, they've really had to get creative and, and it's just been fascinating to dissect. And it's absolutely different than you know, what you have been used to in, in your previous off seasons covering the Rams, I'm sure, Rich. Yeah, because normally, yeah, we'd, we'd see these, I don't I don't know the uh, calendar exactly, but I, I think we'd be in the OTAs right now, the, those 10 mm-hmm. practices where uh, they can actually get on the field. So yeah, right now we'd, we'd be out there, you know, seeing what that new Rams defense looks like or seeing maybe what wrinkles they've put in uh, on the offense. And, and we're not going to get that chance now because the, the players are learning that, you know, through their tablets. Like you said, they're, they're able to uh, kind of get that information. They're able to watch video and share video and coaches can break it down. But, you know, there's there's only so much you can replicate when it when it comes to that stuff. So so that'll be the challenge. Um, it's it's that that period. Like I think you just said it perfectly, Jordan. But that's the real value of, of these these offseason programs, whether it's the rookies coming in or whether it's a guy like Ashawn Robinson or Leonard Floyd, uh, new new players to the team, really just getting that camaraderie, that comfortable feeling can you still get that in July training camp? Yeah, you can still get it in July, but the the fast forward button just gets pushed because right. you're not really taking that. That's not really what mm-hmm. that time is intended for. By the time you get to training camp, the last week of July, it's okay, we're ready to go. We're we're focused on football. We've only got so many days before that season opener. Let's, you know, we really got to practice hard, drill hard. It's it's right. these months where you really kind of do that team building, players get comfortable, uh, that sort of thing, you know, really learn the playbook and all that. But, but yeah, Jordan, your, your story was, is great. People can read it on the, the athletic website and the app, uh, just in terms of the way that the Rams have, have tried to replicate mm-hmm. all of that stuff that the best that they can, even down to the physical. You, you had a great conversation with the new strength coach, Justin Lovett, in, in terms of how he's trying to monitor these guys from afar, you still give them tips on their workouts even though he's not in the same uh, building with them. So it's really kind of a game. It's like a game within a game to see how how can you best replicate what you would normally do when, when they're all in the same building. So it was really uh, fascinating to, to read your story and, and some of the ways that they've tried to adapt. And, and I thought, uh, and I hope I'm not getting ahead of ourselves here, but the things mm-hmm. you, you talked about in terms of what they learned from 2011 – uh, when there was a similar, not a similar, but <laughs> there there was a lockout. So similar in the sense that uh, players weren't going through an off-season program. So I thought that was very interesting too, uh, to see how coaches and, and some of these strength trainers uh, may be applying some of those lessons to to now. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll, and we'll get to that in one second. I just wanted to point out too, that this the springtime is is a time where you get your body ready to try to make a roster. Yeah. And I don't want to I don't want to sugarcoat that because this they can carry 55 this year obviously. 
uh, as opposed to the 53 before, but that's not that big of a change. You are getting your body ready to make an NFL roster. And so whether you're a free agent who has been, you know, and Justin Levitt put it really well, if you're a free agent, you've been on a, a third floor apartment for the last three months um, and you've sort of been searching for open fields and different places to work out, you have a different onboarding process once camp starts than somebody who's has their their personal home gym or has been able to work out with all the equipment that they would normally have. Um, and especially if you're a rookie, your body is not ready for the NFL yet. And particularly rookies who attended the NFL Combine, a lot of people don't know that there's a specific set of training that you do when you're a rookie as you prepare for the Combine. What you do is you you do single rep training and and it basically gets you ready to run the 40 one time and put up the best time that you possibly can. It gets you ready for the three cone, um, the bench press, all of the athletic testing that teams monitor during the combine, you are training specifically for that. You're no longer training for an NFL practice for an NFL season. You're training for single rep testing. Yeah. And so then what usually happens is players, especially rookies, before OTA start, at, after the draft in that sort of grace period, and also after the combine before the draft and before the spring workouts, they are going back to these training facilities to then get into NFL shape. And it's a completely different single rep testing versus progressive load management. That is completely different types of training. And so you have to, you have to, people need to understand that these rookies, they're not, they, they had, they didn't have that chance. After the combine, things started to get shut down. And so they were starting to go back to their homes. Um, I, I was talking to agents who have pulled players from all visits, from pro days. They didn't want anybody to be have their health at risk. And so these guys are now working out at home and all they have in their repertoire right now is that single rep training because they've completely pivoted from what they did even in college because they're doing single rep training. So Justin Lovett, let me outline him for a minute because um, he is also in a unique challenge <laughs> because he is the first year director of strength and conditioning. He as the person in this role, he is the only guy who through up until Sean McVay was, you know, and, and NFL coaches are cleared in the OTA period to speak to players. There's a huge period of time where the only liaison between the players and this coaching staff by NFL rule is the director of strength and conditioning yeah. and the strength coaches. And so the players don't don't get a chance to communicate with their coaches. They have to do it through the strength coach, who, by the way, is in his first year on this job, <laughs> who, by the way, is designing 110 unique strength and conditioning programs for each player, whatever situation they're in, sending them you know, the mandated $1,500 worth of equipment that they're allowed to and then, say, and then working with what they have elsewhere. Uh, doing 200 plus videos for each exercise and variations of each exercise that then gets packaged into a unique pack uh, plan for each player. I mean, I really don't envy this guy. (laughs) Um, He's handling it. It seems really well. And and we'll get to him in a minute. I have some great audio from our conversation this week, but it's, it is just insane, the task at hand. And you know, I, I want to hear from Justin really quick before we get to this fascinating 2011 injury data that they're stu- that they're studying right now. But the the way that 
uh, Coach Lovett is is discussing not only how he is communicating the progress or or measuring progress, but also sort of the complexity of of the testing. They have these GPSs. So so first first of all, work workouts. There's no way to. Uh, moderate them when they're virtual so they are not mandatory players are getting the credit for these workouts that they need to do to kind of earn their NFL paychecks they're getting the credit by participating in these virtual team meetings right well the workout is still so important because like I said you have to be ready to make a roster in the fall and so that's where love it comes in they're sending all of these demonstration videos they are trying to get as many videos back so they can tweak the form and and tweak the technique they have sent players interactive features players can literally lift weights quote-unquote with the strength staff they can um virtually push the weights back and forth which is wild to me um they (laughs) it's crazy to me they there are gps components to what they do so they have each player has its his own gps they're monitoring whether the player is hitting his top speed, a certain percentage of his top speed, how many times he's doing it. Um, he mentioned sort of like half joking, half serious that sometimes they're forgetting to um, turn their GPS off. So they're finding where guys are doing their cool down workouts in like wild places like the parking lot of a steak and shake, for example. <laughs> um, and it's it's been really fascinating. And so Here's Justin talking a little bit about all of their technology and, and all of sort of the 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 way that they're adding to the workout. They're building strength and functionality. Um, th- the goal is to really prepare these guys for the toll a full NFL, NFL season takes on the body despite not having them in the facility. I mean, combine being in combine shape, we all know, is like completely different from getting into a real NFL weight room. Um, so, as you're sort of designing these programs, what are what are if you're able to share, um, what are some of the testing measurements you first look for in terms of yes, you can you can run the forty like a pro, but here we need to get your change of direction back or or et cetera, things like that. Yeah, I think it's uh, it comes down to initially it's work capacity being yeah. able to have some repeatability in, in what they're what they're doing in the weight room and what they're doing on the field. So it's not a it's not a, a one rep and they, they get off the field mm-hmm. uh, like maybe a combine would be. So it's building a program, uh, some of the elements that they're going to see here and slow playing it uh, with not only words on paper but with video and different ways that we can engage uh, and interact with our players. So uh, coaching technique through video and get videos back from them uh, and shooting drills and uh, shooting patterns that we want to see so it's it's different than getting a pie chart or a graph mm-hmm. to tell them what to do at this point we want it to, to be as interactive as it would be uh, as they uh, learn their playbooks and because the key is really if it's not and this is what we feel is if it's not easy and engaging to the player they're going to revert to what they know and a lot of what they know is very good a lot of who they mm-hmm. interact with their coaches uh, have, have set them up for success. So it's it's maybe about communicating with our coaches as well and, and blending some of what they are doing now into a more of a work capacity mm-hmm. focus and a repeatability focus. So it's taking basic elements of, of what we want and uh, and progressing them as we go and not trying to rush rush in, in any situation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's that's something that's in itself already a challenge when you get to see these guys in person and like let's say they're squatting with form that's not 
you know, what your standard would be. You can just go over and like bump them or, or you know, put their knee in play into the right place or whatever. But when you're doing this virtually, how do you keep that two-way communication? How, how often would you say you are back and forth with players, with you, yourself and your staff, just making sure technique and, and repetition, like you said, is, is up to speed? Yeah, that's the concern is building strength on top of dysfunction. Yeah. And anytime we give video on them uh, is a bonus. So from our staff reaching out to them um, and, and those guys shoot video, it, it's tough because if they're by themselves, they're not shooting video of themselves squatting. Right. So it's it's more about um, you know uh, s you know slow progress and elements, and that that is a big challenge because um, uh, and, and it's very it's you know Coach McVeigh was uh, very adamant in that you have to have individual individual goals and assessments for these guys. Where are they at? What do they have? Mm -hmm. What do they need? to make this football team or to advance their uh, themselves to the next level. So so it's really a lot of communication on an individual uh, level where a guy might be having trouble with his squats, his knee hurts, but we're unable to assess him. We can shoot video back and forth to him. And, um, and so it's an organizational approach from mm -hmm. a communication side. We have, we have coaches, um, uh, uh, staff, uh, director of uh, engagement, sports medicine, reaching out to our players. So it's uh, about strength and conditioning, about their off-season program. So it's not just a heavy-handed approach from the strength staff. Everybody's dipping in to, to hit them from all angles to say, hey, you know, I know you're not communicating right now very much about your program, but everything going on right, you, you feel good. And that's a different angle from a performance coach coming down and saying, hey, have you ran full speed uh, twice this week? At mm -hmm. least it's, it's, it's trying to – Trying to get them from uh, love them up from a bunch of different angles because they're all they're they're all in completely different situations. That's a credit to Coach McVeigh of really wanting to individualize um, how we communicate and what we're able to give to our players mm -hmm. to, to to get them going. Yeah, and Rich, the other fascinating thing which you alluded to a minute ago was they are studying lockout data or post lockout data because this was the only similar time really in in, in recent history where NFL players are coming in cold, essentially, and, and even colder, I think, that, that season than they are now because they weren't allowed to communicate at all. But they were coming in cold, and, and so, you know, Director of Sports Medicine Performance Reggie Scott and Sean McVay and, and Justin Lovett, they're studying injury data and finding a spike in soft tissue injuries and Achilles injuries. And so I found that fascinating as to kind of what they're trying to do to – prevent that type of injury because they're they're sort of studying the um the patterns that a similar situation provided yeah it's, it's, that that's real important to me and I, I think it's really wise that they're doing it because it, it's almost like a, a greater the, the risk factor goes up even more now i mean we we've seen it you know jordan you've covered a few training camps now as, as have i that that's a problem even normally you know when when you come mm -hmm. back the, that first week of july guys generally it's it's been about six weeks since they've been on the field for that mandatory mini camp a lot of them kind of use that time as vacation time maybe they're not going quite as hard physically um so they get back into it and that those you know you always keep an eye those first 
couple days of training camp, the hamstrings, uh, the groin injuries, even, you know, knee stuff. You usually see that pop up with a few guys. Uh, and, and that's when they've had generally a normal offseason, when they've been able to kind of build up their bodies the way that they're supposed to for, for an NFL training camp. Th- those things can still happen and, and almost always do uh, to, to at mm-hmm. least a, a couple guys. So now when you're talking about they're not going to have that program, uh, you're probably, yeah, wise to look back to, to years like 2011 and say, OK, what were the issues then? What, what was the level of you know physical ability and then use that to say all right what should our first day of training camp look like what should our first three or five or seven days of training Mm -hmm. camp look like and how should it be different so so that we can avoid some of that stuff the achilles the the soft tissue anything like that Mm -hmm. i don't envy them that's tough and and the other thing is so tough yeah and the the other thing is it varies so much by by player you know i don't even know whether you can just do across the board I mean, you look at a guy like Aaron Donald, you know, I I know you've you've been doing your homework already (laughs) and seeing, you know, this guy just like, uh, you know, I have a feeling you could you could wake him up on any random Wednesday and be like, Aaron, there's going to be a game today and he'd be fine. You know, he would go play 80 percent of the snaps and and be ready. And and we saw that the last, uh, you know, the. 2017 and 2018, I think, where, you know, it was a holdout situation or Aaron didn't participate in in a lot of the offseason program. He comes in and he's fine. You you don't have to worry about Aaron Donald. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whereas a rookie or maybe somebody who doesn't, let's just be, you know, honest about it, maybe doesn't have the same work ethic that Aaron Donald does. Uh, you, mm-hmm. you have to keep a closer eye on on those people. So it's not even an across the board thing where you can come in and say, all right, because it wasn't a normal offseason, uh, we're, we're going to take these measures. We're going to go easier on the first day or we're going to go easier on this part of the workout. For some guys, that might be fine. For other guys, it still might not be okay. So yeah, I, I have a feeling, Jordan, those uh, that first week of training camp, especially there's there's going to be a lot of breath holding, and I'll be very curious to see how it compares uh, in terms of those drills and what they do. Uh, maybe how it compares to to a normal first week of training camp. Yeah, the workload entering into training camp is going to be really interesting because everyone's going to come in in different shape, and yeah. you try to and this goes back to what we were talking about before. You try to control the environment as much as possible throughout the spring so that people are as similar as they possibly can be once they get to training camp. And so this is a completely, this is an environment that's completely out of their control. And and all they can do is, is try these different sort of enterprisal ways of thinking that they're, that they're doing and, and try to get innovative in different ways. And so that's the psychology of it too, when dealing on a player to player basis is, is really interesting to me because we all know that there are some guys who do a back handspring out of bed every morning and are ready to go um, do hand drills with knives like Aaron Donald. Yes. <laughs> and then there are some guys who, you know, maybe they're like an evening workout guy or maybe um, it's an offensive lineman and he needs to keep his weight down um, or he has to keep his his BMI at a certain percentage. And how, how do you do that if you don't have the tools yourself yeah. and the psychology of it, and and this was another interesting thing that that Coach Lovett said was that there is a team of people, whether it's sort of cross referencing between the medical staff, the training staff, and the coaching staff. There's a whole team of people that are assigned to each guy, and 
are able to check in in, in various ways. And so part of this right now, part, a huge part of, of Love It's Job and a huge part of every strength coach you ask around the league and strength coaches, they're, they're players, guys. Like the players have to love them yeah. and the players have to trust them because the strength coach will hear things and see things in the weight room that even the coach doesn't know about. And so this this is so interesting to me is how are you developing that bond with these guys and how are you figuring out which guy needs specific which specific type of of coaching everyone's everyone's different in the weight room I remember back in Carolina Thomas Davis had an unprecedented three ACL repairs and still is you know going to be a hall of famer and he he told other people what he was doing that day he didn't really because he he knew his body enough to the point where he knew what his what kind of a load his knees could take better than even anybody and so the strength the strength staff had to understand okay the other linebackers are doing this squat load Thomas Davis is doing something different because of his three ACLs and he knows his body and he's the one who went through this rehab process and so the strength coach has to know all of these things and how to handle and deal with all of these different types of personalities and different people and and how to um, sort of gain that rapport and develop that trust but again you're in a bo- you're in a box like zooming with people <laughs> you know right. like how do you and that's and that's something too that I think it's it's in, an interesting challenge for for McVeigh um, I mean Rich, you've seen you've seen some of the the press conferences from early in the year and and then later in this in this quarantine. Um, you know, it's it's a little SNL like you're you're sort of um, speaking to an empty room essentially. Yeah, it is. It must be such a strange dynamic for somebody, and you know, especially somebody like Sean, because so much of his thing. You know, I I know maybe you did a press conference with him when they played in Carolina, but so much of Sean's mm-hmm. thing is. He can really command a room, and and it's maybe mm-hmm. a weird thing to say about somebody, but it, it was something that kind of grabbed me about him right away when when they hired him, especially him being at that time thirty years old. Um, and mm-hmm. there's some people who, ju- whether you want to call it charisma or, or whatever that 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 it factor is, it's you know we we all know these people, right? When when you're in a party or you're in a you know social situation, like they walk into a room and the room kind of centers around them. And and Sean right. has that presence, whatever it is, the way he talks, the the energy that he brings, just his look, whatever it is. I think that's uh, so much of his leadership. Is that, uh, and I'm not saying that what he says isn't important, but but just the the energy that that he can bring to a room mm-hmm. and and the way that he can command that, I, I think it's something that grabbed the Rams right away in 2017. I, I think it's something that you can attribute a lot of their success to the buy-in that they had with him, and and now he doesn't have that because, like you said, he's sitting there, you know, at, at his laptop, uh, you know, in front of his beautiful backyard, uh, you know, trying to trying to connect <laughs> with these guys, and it's not the same. It's it's not the same for anybody, you know, any, any you know any of our listeners who are having to do you know, kind of work by video conferencing, no, that it's not, it's not the same as being in the, in a room as, with somebody. So yeah, I, I can't imagine that the challenges for, for Sean, I mean, your story was very funny about, you know, how him, him trying to tell jokes and I, like, I, I totally could picture that I was, as I was reading, right. it. it's like, you're, you know, you're sitting there and, and you, you make a joke that you think is funny and it's just, 
silence because like everybody's on mute and you're like, oh, okay, right. that, that's a little awkward. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's... I commend him for it. I do too. It's not easy. Yeah. Like, so, yeah. so to try to be a leader like that when when you, you're not, you don't have the tools that uh, you, you normally do. Um, but Jordan, your story had some some interesting parts on, on how he's trying to bridge that gap a little bit, and so that it's not just him. It's not just him talking at guys all the time, and it's not, it's not just Groundhog Day where it's the same thing every day. They, they've been trying to mix it up a little bit, right? Yeah, it's been really cool. I really, first of all, I commend Sean for trying to mix it up when when it does have to be himself on the on the call. I personally have made a joke and everyone on mute, everyone's on mute on the zoom call, um, you know, during this time. And it's right. like a soul crushing feeling hearing <laughs> just like right. that, that cavernous silence. Yeah. yeah. And so that's soul crushing. So I commend him for that. Um, and the other thing is I really appreciate when, in, when a head coach is able to troubleshoot where weaknesses outside of his control might be. And what I mean by that is he cannot do anything about the fact that he's basically a living PowerPoint presentation right now. Like he can't do anything about that. That's just the way that the world is right now. So when you can't do something about that, you have to figure out a way to think outside the box and make things more interesting, specifically catering to your players. And you do not see that across the league. So you see some of these guys who are very much stuck in their ways who are like, all right, everybody, pay attention to me as I speak to you for the next 90 minutes. And that's right. just, guys don't learn that way. A lot of a lot of players will tell you they learn by doing, by engaging, by interacting, and particularly as it pertains to learning how to navigate a professional setting like this. And so what I think has been really cool is how they've brought in this guest speaker series. And Coach McVeigh has, has brought in Doc Rivers. He brought in Peyton Manning the other week. And it's a very candid session, by all accounts, where the presenter will talk for a little bit of time, sure, but mostly will take questions and be extremely candid, knowing that, you know, this is a private a private setting. And, and guys, really, it's important that they learn. And you, you sort of saw on Twitter some of the players marveling about how candid Peyton Manning was, talking about his, you know, his experience in the league, how to be a pro what it really takes and that's that's a wake-up call particularly for this generation of rookies who for whom Peyton Manning is and a couple guys currently still I guess like somehow playing in the league um are the most current iteration of quote-unquote the goat that they can think of because they're they're young they're 90s babies right so mm-hmm. this is this is someone that's huge to bring in to this facility because particularly for in during a rookie onboarding process because this is someone who they see in in like nfl history highlight reels right like they they are seeing they grew up watching him and so that to me is so important. Um, I think it's really commendable to bring people in to be candid, to have these these speaker sessions, and it not just it doesn't just speak to the learning process of of you know what these rookies and what these some of these pl- younger players have to do and have to go through, but I think it really sp- speaks to the adaptability to the situation that the staff is capable of. And this to me, I'm coming in. You know, this is my first month on this beat after covering. Uh, a franchise that was not very adaptable at all, um, and to me, it's 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 very very mar- remarkable how um, sort of forward thinking, smart, and and willing to adjust on the fly this whole system is, and I think it's very very 
telling, you know, if, if, if there can be a silver lining of, of the situation, it's that you're really seeing separating the wheat from the chaff in terms of who can adjust, who can adapt. And obviously that full test comes in the fall. If, if they're, you know, winning games and they're, they're staying healthy, then you really can see that their system worked. But so far, it's just really a, uh, a really marked difference to me than what I've seen in previous years of how willing to adjust and, and able to adjust very quickly and be creative with your troubleshooting. Um, and I think that's been really impressive. Yeah, it's interesting that you've had a different perspective on it because I, I obviously haven't. I've been around this group basically, you know, for the last four years. And uh, so it, it's interesting to me because that doesn't surprise me uh, because that that's kind of how this, this group has been, you know, since at least since Sean um, ha- has come mm-hmm. on, you know, I'm, I'm used to seeing kind of people around where it's like, oh, that, that guy's around the team today or that guy's around the team today. Um, he, he doesn't really shy away from, from that stuff. And uh, I, I think it does help, especially in this time, because it's 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 that engagement it's it's what going to it's you know what's going to get those guys motivated right now what's going to get them to buy in and and yeah you you can make them sit there and and watch film or you know test them on the playbook or, or whatever it is and, and any coach can do that right now and and all of them are trying but but if you can do that little bit extra where it's like okay you know we're really getting these guys attention like you know Pete Carroll brings in Will Farrell you know to, to on his zoom and now is that helping you in football no it's not helping you learn the defense <laughs> any better but you know it, it maybe perked guys up a little bit that day to be like all right you know what now now I'm now I'm awake now I'm invested now I'm gonna you know really study today or I'm, I'm really going to be into it today. So uh, I think Sean is, has always realized that and, and he's always been open to, to bringing in people who, uh, you know, sometimes have more experience than, than he does or, mm-hmm. or from different walks of life. Uh, I, I think he's always been open to that. And yeah, I, I think it's something that's that's not going to show itself immediately. Uh, but but when those teams come back in July and, and you're trying to figure out, hey, who's, who's ahead of the curve right now and who isn't, it, it's going to be... I, I think it's going to show itself, and, and I don't know what the exact uh, parameters are going to be or what, what the exact thing that you're going to be able to point to and say this made the difference or these teams were better prepared, but that's really mm-hmm. what it's going to be because if this thing starts, you know, if, if we do go through a normal situation uh, where these guys are back in, in the last week of July and they're preparing to play a game that second weekend of September, whoever hits the ground running is going to have a big advantage and that that starts right now and if you can have those guys ready uh for for that for that end of july then you're going to have a leg up and and i think there's going to be a clear difference at least at the start of the season who handled this better and and who didn't do a very good job so i don't i don't know how to define that right now but but i applaud the steps that the rams are taking uh, to try to put themselves in a good position absolutely well said and i if you want to read more about Uh, All of the fascinating ways that they're getting creative, that they're testing, that they're kind of getting guys in physical and mental shape here as the spring continues. Um, You can go check out my story. I am admittedly very biased because I wrote it, but you should go read it. (laughs) I will say it too. I I think you should go. Are are we going to talk about the log? We We have to tease the log. Someone, there's a player who's bench pressing and squatting logs that he cut down 
yes. out of like from his backyard. So yeah. um, you will have to go. This is like your tease. Uh, right. <laughs> you'll it's have not to go Jared read Goff. it to find out. Yeah. It's not Jared Goff. No. no. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's actually surprisingly not Aaron Donald either, but he's got the, the hand fighting with knives. That's right. He's got that, that cornered. Right. Um, so please go to theathletic.com and check that out. As always, thank you for listening. Thanks to Rich for being fabulous as usual. Thank you for catching up with us through the spring we hope that we're doing a good job for you guys and don't forget to rate and subscribe and just so you guys know if you aren't athletic subscribers yet you can do it through this podcast and get 40 percent off which is awesome go to theathletic.com slash 11 personnel or if you're listening to this there's a link included on itunes to direct you to that discount which is great i love a uh, you know a, a direct map to a discount i love me a discount and thanks again guys <laughs>